Our Bible reading for this morning is in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's chapter 13. We could look at other Gospels. The, uh, the parable that we're reading from is, is in, in the other Gospels too, but we're going to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. You could either uh, read it in your Bibles, encourage that, or your technological device that you might have in your pocket. We allow you to use them at this point. Uh, not too strict. Or to listen. It's really important to hear the word as well, the word as it's read, the word as we hear it. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed as he scattered the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance, have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not understand, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever understanding, never hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving from this people's heart, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men have longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it, with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. The kingdom of God is like. In our preaching, we've been 
coming through our vision points, proclaiming Jesus to people today, of making disciples, of building God's kingdom. We've touched on other areas of reaching the nations, and we are praying for revival. This is a key parable, one of those fulcrums, focal points, on which so much of what Jesus says and teaches hangs. It's one of those parables that he explains. Now I don't have to preach about it because you all understand. Do you not? The disciples came and said to Jesus after he'd heard, they'd heard him teaching by the lake from the boat. The kingdom of God is like a sower, a farmer who went out and scattered seed. And seed fell in four different places. That picture's a little rendition of it, the rocks and the path and the weeds and the good soil. And he didn't leave it there for them. He, he kind of then has this quotation from Isaiah and he talks a little bit about the privilege that they have. And then he explains it. Brilliant. Sorted. Isn't it? James is at least looking perplexed. Who's heard this parable in the Sunday schools? Great. Parables. Jesus teaches in parables. About a third of what he teaches, a third of that which we have recorded of his words, a third of it is in parables. What is a parable? Well, apparently it's Something very profound. Uh, if you read the, the, uh, the New Testament and make a list, you may find that there are 30 parables explicitly labeled. This is the parable of, so to speak. But Jesus also is a little bit cryptic. At other times, he speaks in Proverbs. He sometimes speaks in riddles and short sayings. And he asks questions, loaded questions, hanging questions that kind of draw out a response from us. He's... He's a little bit mysterious, isn't he? Because parables are those sort of things that you think, yeah, I know what that means. But do we? At least 40, um, 40 things we could say are parables, but maybe 65 if one includes Jesus saying about a person with a beam in his eye or trying to get a speck out of the eye of another person. I came across this lovely little description of what parables are. Thanks, Danny. Parables are not meant to pat us on the back, but to give us a kick up the pants. They are not intended to comfort us, but to challenge us, change us. Parables speak out against the status quo. Parables are demonstrators, wave, demonstrators waving signs of protest, speaking against our ways of thinking, our traditional ways of experiencing and obeying God as spiritual institution. I always come back to parables and I think I know what they mean. But as I read them and reflect on them, I, I get challenged again and again. I once heard of a minister who, when preaching this parable, came amongst the congregation with a bag. And in the bag were some seeds. And he put his hand in the seed, and he just lobbed the seeds out amongst the congregation, the fellowship. Some of the people with nice hairdos were not that pleased. And then he said, do you understand? And he sat down. And the congregation felt, that's a rubbish sermon. 
But actually, it was very powerful. Because he was reflecting, saying, seed is sown, what happens to it? And it's very real and very now. And your minds are working hard thinking, what is he trying to say? That's what parables do. What is the action of the Anglican minister, as it was, who threw out seed amongst people? What was his point? And that's what parables do. They get under their skin. They kick us up the pants, to quote Michael Green, a great Oxford theologian, as it was an evangelist. Don't take it up with me for that language. What is it about this parable? What is it? Well, it's a famous one. It's been taught in Sunday school for years. It's one of the better known ones. On the sea, on the lake shore, he's got up. He's teaching many things. And he teaches in parables. There's a, there's a question we need to ask in, in, before we address the actual, kind of what's he getting at. Why does he have this middle section of, though you hear, you won't understand, though seeing, you'll not perceive. What's that about? Well, there's something about Jesus wanting to draw from us an engagement. There's something about how Jesus really doesn't want us to be like the foie gras goose getting fed and rammed with things. He really loves for us to engage and think and discover and for the penny to drop. Someone illustrated it like this by saying, uh, in, in many uh, talks he's had with non-believers and seekers, a man came with a question. He said, who is Cain's wife? Way back in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 4, it talks about Adam and Eve and the fall. And then uh, Cain and Abel and said they got married. And the question is, where did the wives come from if Cain and Abel were the only children? Classic question that we're asked. An old chestnut that comes up again and again. And the speaker kind of looked at the man and said, I'm not going to answer you. And the speaker said, why not? Is it too much of a difficult question? Well, no, he said. It's not a real problem for you, is it? And the man said, yeah, of course it is. I'm asking you a deep theological question. Come on, give me the answer. He thought he outfoxed the speaker. So he said, he said is this, if I answer this question, if I answer to you satisfactorily with a good answer, where Cain's wife came from, will you believe? And the questioner began to wobble and say, oh, I'm not sure. Well, so he said, listen, if I was to go out to a road and say to someone, will you please tell me the way to Bloxham? And as soon as I tell you the way to Bloxham, you turn around and wander off in the other direction. What would you think? What sort of reply do you think you'd get? Well, and the man looked quizzical and said, well, I'm not going to answer your question because you've no intention of becoming a Christian, yet you want this profound answer. What's he driving at? He's saying, sometimes, sometimes we have these questions, sometimes we have these opinions, sometimes people were coming to Jesus to trip him and trap him, and they weren't genuine questions. They were sort of there for an intellectual mind game. And Jesus is hugely wise and hugely profound. And he gives answers that aren't sort of yes, no, that aren't direct, but actually draw out truth and bring 
a proclamation. And phrase it, let him hear. Blessed are your eyes, your ears, because they see and hear. Another man says this, thanks Danny, if we just click on. Uh, Go on again once. Jesus deliberately concealed the word in parable, lest men against their will should be forced to acknowledge the kingdom. And yet he allowed them enough light to convict and convince. There's something about Jesus wanting you to, to see. Remember that psalm I read at the end? Seek his face. Seek him and he'll be found. That there's this... Jesus comes amongst us in bodily form and people say, who is this man? Where is the kingdom? Seek him. Seek him. There's something about working it out. Not that we find our way through working it out to heaven, but the revelation of God has come amongst us and says, will you hear? Will you believe? Will you understand? Will you choose him freely? My godson when he was a little lad, uh, I had the joy of trying to feed him. Have you tried to feed a child yogurt? You'd thought it'd be easy. Um, he was at about uh, 16, 17 months old, and there I was being dutiful godfather, feeding him yogurt. And he just, it was just not going in the hole properly. Because <laughs> he was shutting his mouth. And, oh, yeah. and I realized that he wanted to do it himself. He wanted to take that spoon, because he kind of knew where his mouth was, and put the yogurt in himself. He'd seen. And as I gave him the little plastic spoon, more yogurt went in than out, because he wanted to grasp it. He'd realized he wanted to work it out. Curiosity drew him to the point of engagement. So Jesus speaks in parables, draws out, elicits from us, wants us to hunger, wants that penny to drop, and that capacity, once it comes alive, wants that seeking, that, that hunger, that realization that if I want him, the more we get that, the more it grows. But if it's rejected, then little understanding will come and it will wither and die. It seems a bit unfair. Some people say, how can it be Jesus be so uh, kind of cruel to say, you know, here's a crowd and he preaches parables and says, well, they just don't get it. But to those who have, more will be given. It's not the way we do it, is it? It's a bit like the law of, uh, of the gymnasium. I'm not that versed in that, clearly. But the law of the gymnasium says this, those who have gain and those who haven't lose. If you use your muscles, they grow. If you don't, they shrink and get less. Parable of the sower. Four types of soil. The path, the seed comes upon, the birds eat it up. The rocky places, not much soil. The seed germinates quickly, but along comes the hot sun, and there's a shallow soil, and it's scorched because there's no root. It withers. The third picture, seed among amongst others, weeds and thorns. It grows okay, but is choked, swallowed and suffocated, out-competed. Fourthly, the good soil. And there's the farmer. Sowing, 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 sowing. Not a very good farmer. 
one thing I've noticed living in the countryside is farmers know where to grow crops. They don't try and put it on the road to Shipston or on the Fish Hill. It doesn't grow on the road, does it? They put it in the field after they've tended the field and made the field ready for the seed. They don't try and put it near the hedge. They don't try and put it in the rocky bits. And they put devices that wake me up in the morning in the summer because my window's open because there's bangs going on. Sonic booms to scare the birds away because seed is precious. You put it where it grows. But it's a picture, we're told, of God, of his liberal, abundant grace. Seed is thrown. Seed is thrown, and it falls everywhere. Everywhere. And so what's the point of the parable? Well, for many years, I I read this parable and and didn't find it very encouraging. I found it kind of a bit of a challenge, because there was always a niggling doubt within me As I read this parable, as I faced my life of thinking, which am I? Which are you? I'm guessing that you're not the first one because you're here. But are we the the seed in the, you know, that's on the shallow soil? You know, as as we win new Christians in Alpha and other places. Know, are they going to last? Are they going to, you know, are they, are they going to be the ones that kind of are going to be there as deacons in 50 years' time, or will they have started with great vigor and gusto, but fallen by the wayside, got distracted? Will be the the ones who seem to go so well, but then troubles or sickness or or kind of well, we need a good job, don't we? Or there's a mortgage to pay and there's there's children to kind of take to sports on Sunday mornings, and you know the kind of complexities of life crowd out and we kind of think oh I hope I'm the good one I hope do you you get what I'm saying and as I thought about that and as it troubled me as it kind of got under my skin and gave me a kick up the backside I thought what's the gospel in this what's the good news because Jesus is good news What's the good news in this parable if it's all about we're determined, we're fatalistic, we're set in which soil we'll be and we won't find out until the end and it might be that we start off well and the people in the church pray for us but we fall away. I thought that's not much good news. And then the light went on. Then as I kind of worked it through and thought, which soil am I? Because knowing my heart, I'm more, well, I won't tell you that. And the penny dropped. As Jesus says and preaches and teaches in parables and draws us out, the question comes, the reality comes. Are you ready for this? As the Anglican minister throws out the seed amongst the congregation, you get to choose. You get to choose. You get to choose which soil you are. The farmer scatters his seed. Is a good, he's a good farmer. He's not wasting the seed. The seed is the word. The seed is the revelation of God, the truth of God in Jesus Christ. He scatters it. And as the seed lands, that is the bit 
where the rubber hits the road. That is the bit where it all comes to place. What's, what's the ground like? What's the soil like? What will happen to that seed? See, the, the sower is good. He's a good farmer and he's sowing good seed. It's not, it's not kind of moldy and old season. It's vibrant and ready to, to take root. It's vibrant and ready to re- produce a, a massive harvest. And the question comes, which soil? Which soil do you want to be? Let's have a pop quiz. Do you want to be soil number one, the rocky path? Hands up. There's either liars here or you're all in a good place. No, I don't accuse you of lying. Who wants to be the seed on the, uh, on the path? No takers. Uh, do you want to phone a friend about this? You know, uh, who wants to be on the shallow soil? Anyone want to be the seed that's sown amongst the weeds? Well, this is going well, isn't it? So there should be a unanimous result. Who wants to be the good soil? (laughs) Hooray. Hooray. Because as you choose that, as you say, yes, I want to be the good soil, the seed is planted. But note, what what are the things that that crowd out? What are the things that get in the way? Uh, Well, we've just said, you've said, and we're we're all here, you want to learn the truth. So you're not like seed one that doesn't understand it, says, no, I don't want any of that. Thank you very much. The foolish, the unwise, the blinded to the good news. I pray there is no one here like that. But we do meet them. Stuff off with your gospel. What about the second one? Well, there are times we're told that we receive the word with joy, but it has no root. When persecution or trouble comes along, it withers and falls away. We heard from John, didn't we, about a church in Egypt and a Molotov cocktail. And, you know, that's when, in big picture... Are you going to be there? Are you going to run away? And that's the big picture, but the persecution comes. It's really interesting. Rachel Harris, one of the interns from Bidford, was, was speaking at the Send the Fire about, with the young people about her experience in America and her experience in Britain and of seeing what it means to be a young person. And she was in the deep south in Memphis in the Bible Belt, and it was like, there's, you know, she said it was the most remarkable thing she had. She was in uh, her school on a Monday morning or a, a, a Thursday morning, whenever it was, and her friends in the deep south in America would come to school and talk about their Bible study they'd had last night. And she was pretty gobsmacked. It's like not at all like Britain. Who comes to school and talks about how they, what they did in their youth group last night? It was just ma- mental. And you know, everyone was kind of you know, very much Christianized and very much part of it. And then she was reflecting back and she's saying her experience as a young person in Britain was so, so different. That even if you put your head above a parapet a bit to say, I'm a Christian, they'd be shot down at school and say, oh, you God basher, what are you bothered about? Don't talk to us here about that. The ridicule, the persecution in the school, the workplace. In youth work, we see that. Do people drop away? (laughs) 
We see that in family life. Trouble or persecution for those who are unmarried uh, for the, uh, and with their family, for those Christians who are married but with un, uh, unbelieving partners. This constant struggle to remain true. Or will trouble and persecution come? And we think it's just too hard. The third soil, the weeds. Who has worries in this life? Yeah, thank you, Trevor. The only honest one amongst us. Who kind of would like to win the premium bonds or the national lottery, really? Yeah, some honesty at the back. Who finds himself every month going into the overdraft? And it's all very well talking about giving for the kingdom and giving time, but don't you know the reality of life today? The credit card bill and the, the raising of the heating, bills going up from NPower and British Gas for just in time for winter when we need it. How do we respond? Put in the extra shifts, miss the church service, prayer meeting, house group. Starting to, to struggle and do it our own way. Well, if I work harder and, and if, I, if I attend to this, and, well, and, and it just begins to slip our focus off Jesus. I trust in God who said, I will provide. I know what you need. It's amazing how those seeds that are sown along with the good seeds soon quickly grow up alongside and begin to choke, begin to make it unfruitful, begin to just undermine the fruitfulness of that good intention. But you all said you want to be good soil, so I'm praising God. Because that's right. And the reality is that you choose. The key to the kingdom is faith, isn't it? Believing in Jesus the Savior and trusting him that he's true and right and wise. And not mysterious and not kind of, well, he was 2,000 years ago and he lived in Palestine. He has no understanding about my life and my times. You know, what's the relevance of Jesus today? Everything. Because our hearts are the same. Our attitudes are the same. Our needs are the same. How we are created is the same. And how we fall is the same. We need a savior. And we need to live the savior's way. Choose him. Choose him. How do we build the kingdom of God? We choose him in faith. Faith is risk. Faith is stepping out. Faith is saying it's not what we can see and grab and hold on to and do it the world's way. It's countercultural. Oh, you of good soil. The seed is being planted. I pray it takes root. I tell you, I pray it germinates. I pray we'd, we'd nurture that in one another. I pray that we'd see even a harvest of twice. But what about 20 or 30 or 100 times? God, you're able. 
Your seed is good. And I pray that those who have ears to hear, let them hear. In the trouble and the persecution, even in the struggle of listening and attending to the word, may that which is being planted and nourished not be lost. In the very real decisions of today and tomorrow, in the very real choices that we make in the living of our lives, build your kingdom. Build your kingdom in the homes. Precious young people, we've not had a prayer time, but let's just begin to pray now, just as we are mindful of the presence of God. I'm just going to, sometimes I don't like it when people at the front continue to speak, it makes it hard for me to pray. I promise I won't do it all the time, but let's just begin. If you can voice it out, because that gives liberty to others to not feel self conscious. Let's pray for our families, for your family. Let's pray for the neighbors, those who are sitting around us, for the kingdom of God to come practically. Do you know, there are people here, I don't know your situation, but there are people here who are struggling with persecution, struggling with troubles, struggling with anxiety and worry and doubt. There are people here who, who are getting caught up with The challenge is, shall we stay the course or should we just begin to, to ease off? Let's stand together. Henry, can you come and just play for us? The reason I'm asking Henry to pray, play is not to make it emotional or emotive to respond, but to give some sound in the, in the room for us that helps us, that gives us a bit of a liberty to begin to, to speak out. I don't want it just to be me praying from the front. Let's as a congregation pray that God's kingdom will be built. Pray as the Lord reveals from the, the words that I've spoken for yourself, for your families, for your work colleagues, for this church, for Cornerstone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the ability to choose. We choose you this day. We reaffirm our choice in you. You're the good sower. The good seed has come.
I'll just pray uh, for us. Uh, it's the consistent, one of the, the things of our age is busyness. We are very busy. We're busy as a church. We're busy as people. We have to negotiate lifts and sports and events and school and leisure time and rush, rush. And even now, knowing us, I look to the clock thinking we've got communion to finish and we've got children to get back in. It's our world, Lord. I know how easy it is personally. I have the tasks and the duties and the responsibilities of the day. The kingdom gets crowded out. The voice of God is crowded out. Pray, Lord, for your kingdom to come in so many ways here. And I pray your help for us in busyness, of being run ragged, of becoming breathless in life. Breathe on us, breath of God. Just in these moments, where we take bread and wine. Holy Spirit, breathe life into us. Breathe peace. Breathe clarity to know what is of God and what is not. Breathe life into weary bodies. Help us in this, this engagement with your word that has come good seed. To know how we can choose that we'd be fruitful for you. Henry's going to uh, maybe sing as if they could, just sing over us as we prepare to receive this wonderful moment of grace promises of God, the freedom and the life that he brings. If you want to sit down again, you can, or remain standing if that's good, do so.